Ladies and gentlemen, the summer continues to roll along here in the year of our Lord 2021. We have so many things going on here. Olympics, summer basketball is beginning, baseball is still in flux. But ladies and gentlemen, this week is the week that there will be no more non-football games on until February. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunday card. It is the week that we've all been waiting for. The preseason is officially beginning on Thursday night with the Cowboys and the Steelers. It is a very, very exciting time to be a football fan. And we continue our summer series of divisional positional breakdowns this week. Not doing any teams from either of those divisions of the Cowboys or the Steelers, but we will be doing the NFC North, or as they say, the Norris Division, uh, as one Chris Berman used to say. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, and our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Perricone. Gentlemen, I am joining you today from beautiful Lake Tahoe, California, slash Nevada, it is picture perfect, unseasonably hot. It is great, but I will be watching with bated breath at 5.30 Pacific time uh, on Thursday night for this Cowboys-Steelers game, Maddie. Yes, Dan, we have, we have football now as far as the eye can see, as vast as those mountains that you're staring out on. We've got football for a long, long time ahead. Don't blink because it'll be gone before we know it, but uh, this is a great time of year. We have football coming back. Plenty to talk about. This is when we, you know, really things are going to ramp up. Uh, when th- big news is going to start to drop, which we've got big news to talk about today, um, and including some some preseason injuries, some training yeah. camp injuries, which we all know and love so much before the season even gets started, and some training camp drama as well coming in with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation because it's the NFC North. Uh, episode that we're doing. We'll definitely talk about that situation. But first, as Maddie alluded to, huge injuries. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get some travel nurses out to Indianapolis. They might be the team this year that is going to be the uh, emergency room team, if you will, for 2021. Huge news and devastating news if you are a Carson Wentz fan. Carson Wentz now deemed out five to 12 weeks with a foot injury, apparently a foot injury, a bone that broke off of an injury that he uh, sustained from high school. He had surgery a couple of days ago. He will be out five to 12 weeks. And then even worse news coming down today for the Colts, Quentin Nelson, also same foot injury, also having foot surgery, out five to 12 weeks. Um, that puts a damper on some of the way we look at some of the futures, doesn't it, Matty? Boy, it's a bad week to be a foot in Indianapolis, I'll tell you what. Um, or it's a bad week to have be a couple guys with a bunch of Colts futures like we've had. Again, previous shows uh, we had talked about when we were doing preseason stuff and outlook on the season. We really liked the Colts. We liked what they had going last year with with a, a half-dead Phillip Rivers behind the helm, and we were excited to see Carson Wentz get back with Frank Reich. And, uh, man, that is tough. And like you said, I mean, Quentin Nelson going out, it, it, as much as it was like, all right, Wentz, if they could get through this, uh, you know, maybe it is on the shorter end, five weeks or so, get by with uh, Jacob Eason or, or uh, Brett Hundley or whoever else they might, you know, be bringing at this point. But uh, Quentin Nelson going down just puts a giant gap on their offensive line, which is the strength, one of the strengths of that team, if not the biggest strength of that team. So just a huge, huge shot for Indianapolis, two shots for Indianapolis, just 
just tough week, tough break. Yeah, very, very tough. And, you know, Indianapolis uh, now moving. I, I So I've seen this Tennessee line kind of been moving as the offseason has come along. First, it was Tennessee. I think we had them, what, minus 110, or, and, and Indianapolis was plus 100. Now Tennessee, I, as I'm seeing now, I, I don't know if this is as accurate, as, as up-to-date as, as we think, but Tennessee now at minus 120, Indianapolis at plus 130 to win the division um, with everything up in the air. So a lot of money moving in on Tennessee to win that division. Uh, now it could be even higher than that based on the numbers that I think some people have seen thus far. I know that we've already had some movement in the um, opening week uh, with the Colts being two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, at home against Seattle. Now that mm-hmm. game is, I think, off the board. Um, but they said that, that that might move, you know, a good four or five points, depending on if uh, Wentz can – and it, it's likely that Wentz won't play in that game. But to also add Quentin Nelson to that mix, I mean – I don't know what the Colts do from here. Do you think that they just stick with Eason, give him six weeks, or did you think they need to sign a quarterback? Yeah, before I get to the East talk, I do. I have a listed here in front of me from what it was a month ago, and I did see yeah. something similar to what you said as far as the AFC South out Titans around like a minus 130. I did see Colts as high as plus 180. Wow. Uh, just a site I was looking at kind of tracking multiple books. and then. But just as, a, as of a month ago, they based, they had everything listed as – Colts plus 105, Titans plus 105. So they were pretty much right there. And that's kind of, you know, it it felt like that's where everybody, the, the general public was at. And we were just choosing to to like the Colts a little bit more than the Titans in that 50-50. But I do think they kind of just go with, with Jacob Eason. You know, it's a young guy. You do want, you know, you draft a guy like that to see what he's made of. And it hopefully, you know, can give you enough. And Carson Wentz is a gamble enough as it is this year. He's already having health problems like he's had his whole career. So, uh, he's no he's no sign for the long term future. So I think you got to get Jacob Eason in there and just give him a chance and see, you know, hopefully keep you above the water for a few weeks. There's no part of you, part of the Colts that you think maybe takes a look around the league looking for a veteran quarterback. They signed Brett Huntley this week uh, and blast from the past uh, from from backing up Aaron Rodgers and, and and having some starts in Arizona. He gets signed to the Colts roster this week. Um, and then maybe there were some rumors that maybe an old friend that used to back up Carson mm-hmm. Wentz could come along and maybe steal the thunder in a different spot under the same offensive coordinator. Does this league ever get it boring? No, it never does. Could Nick Foles possibly come to the Colts? <laughs> he could. I mean, it just – that just sounds so ridiculous to say. I, I and Especially because, I mean, so – uh, even on the long term, so if he's full twelve weeks, how, what what week does that put him coming back in the regular season? Something around like uh, like seven or eight, I guess at this point, right? Right. It would be around the halfway point of the season. You'd say probably week six through eight, somewhere in there. Uh, I can actually look up the Colts' schedule if you want right now, but yeah, it would probably be around there. Does Eason survive it? It's that's the whole thing. Eason, they drafted Eason what in the second round. I mean, this yeah. this was a guy that they kind of saw as maybe a potential future starter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just think, you know, I mean, there's going to be so much of it that we're just starting training camp. I think that's, we're going to find out a lot. I think in the next week or two and the coaches are going to, the coaching staff is going to find out a lot in a week or two. If, if they think they can, again, tread water with these guys as that they have at the quarterback position. Um, If they're already signed Hunley, it, it just, I have a hard time believing they're going to go grab another quarterback unless it's, you know, again, 
unless the situation looks super, super bleak in the first couple of weeks where it's like, we got to change this, you know, we got to do something here. Um, but again, I think that they, they figure the rest of the team is good enough. Um, again, they had a, a limp armed Phillip rivers back there last year. So I think that these two guys should be able to scrap another scrap together enough, uh, gusto and, and go get you to, to maybe win a game or two. So maybe there's a big chance that Wentz comes back this week, October 31st, week eight, huge game at home against the Titans would be a very, very, I'd say that's probably a good spot to come back. Wouldn't you just, just to play the best team in that division. Yeah. That'd be kind of a key time for them to cut for him to come back. I would definitely say that let's not put uh, Jacob Eason in that game. uh, Mm. Oregon. God knows whoever else could be in that situation. And they don't, it doesn't look like they have their bye week until later on in the season, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the bye week is way later. Although after that, it's the bye week comes. I'm just looking it up now real quick. Uh, week 14. And they have two weeks yeah. to prepare to go to come back home to play the Patriots. So that would be also another thing. So the, I don't think, I don't think that by then, unless he has a setback in that injury that they'll, They'll probably keep him out that long. But with these foot injuries, man, I mean, this is just another – it's just so sad for this guy. I mean, it's just another thorn in the side. It's, it's another, uh, you know, just the spinning wheels got to go around with this, and this is his life. His life is being injured. It's, like, sad, you know. But He's always, what, he's always got another challenge in front of him. Yep, that's exactly true. So he'll manage it. Hopefully he comes back very, very soon. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks – different quarterbacks. We thought that Aaron Rodgers would possibly be traded. Matty was, was crossing fingers and, and, and holding shamrocks to try and get the luck of the Denver Broncos draw to get Aaron Rodgers. Turns out Aaron Rodgers has reported to camp. Aaron Rodgers has decided to come back for the 21, uh, 2021 season and also has his contract going through 2022. So, he does have a third year on that contract, although the contract does void in 2023. But Aaron Rodgers, for all intents and purposes, for 2021, is back and burying bodies, including the GM and the president of the team. So what is great about Rodgers is that he has never lied to us in any sense of uh, in any sense at all. He has said exactly what he said, apparently was offered the richest contract in sports and turned it down. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to this. And then that press conference last week with him just saying people come to Green Bay because of me. <laughs> like that was just all time, like, you know, flexing on flexing with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay is not necessarily a great destination. You know, it's not wrong. It's not, is he wrong? Like, do people come to Green Bay to just go to Green Bay? I mean, they come because money too, but maybe probably play with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, them putting up the Instagram posts. It's the last dance. What do you make of this, Matt? Yeah, I mean, he's back begrudgingly. He's, he's begrudgingly back. He's clearly very, uh, very salty during that uh, press conference. And uh, it, it was great, though. I mean, as soon as that, that was one of those, like, there's not a ton of press conferences that you need to, like, watch i had to have that on the instant as I, I saw like a a tweet or a notification on my phone and i was like i i have to watch this live or, or, or watch this immediately um and yeah he basically you know he doesn't seem like he's super happy to be back uh i, I laughed at the one point where he said that he he was about to say he loves the packers organiz- 
not the organization. He said the Green Bay Packers fans, the Green Bay Packers fans is why I came back. He didn't want to compliment the organization. That's, you know, he got caught in his, uh, the rhetoric, the, the typical players speak, oh, the organization's great. Uh, no, we can't compliment the organization anymore. Aaron, we don't <laughs> like the organization, but the fans are still great. Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, he's, he's going to be back. He's going to play for them. He played the best cards that he had, but he's still under contract with this team. And he's coming back. Like you said, he that was part of his coming back, though, I believe, was that 2023 getting next yeah. from the contract, correct? So he's got two more seasons left in Green Bay, then, it looks like. You know, I think maybe now next year, Green Bay is going to be like, He's definitely not coming back. He made his void the third year. Now we might be willing to dream. So this easily could be his last year in Green Bay. But at worst, he's got two years. And I don't think he's on playing football after two years. So we'll be interested to see where he goes after that. But for now, we're back in Green Bay. We're back with the pack. That is the story and the headline. Do you think that this is a smart play on Green Bay's part, him coming off of MVP season? From a Green Bay perspective, are they delaying the inevitable? Are they buying time for Jordan Love? Do they think Jordan Love Jordan Love didn't not only practice or I'm sorry, didn't only not play last year. He was not active for a game last year. Uh, he, I believe he was active for week 17 and that was it. Um, so where is he in his process? Is this just the Packers maybe trying to squeeze the last juices out of a legendary quarterback and buying time for the future? Or is this the Packers maybe kowtowing to the to this quarterback and trying to live off of him? Because it doesn't seem to me like they have a plan for post Rodgers. Yeah, that's that's where I think they're at. It's just like we we can't give this guy away because we have no no other plan. We have nothing else to do if we don't have Aaron Rodgers. So it's definitely delaying the inevitable. It'd be interesting to see if this ruins trade value for Rodgers. Do you know what I mean? Like. The longer this is delayed and the more the more that it's out there and the more that, you know, there's obviously opportunities for teams to make trade offers and for them to listen. And if apparently nothing is good enough, then eventually the trade value goes, you know, goes down. So and just years left in the contract and everything that goes along with it. So they might just be taking a lesser package for Rodgers next year, maybe next offseason um, instead of just doing it this year. And so if they don't go out and win the Super Bowl this year, then probably a bad decision. That's a huge gamble. That's a huge gamble because you are literally relying. I mean, let's look at it this way. The Packers have been in the NFC Championship game the last two years. Last two years, Are they any better than they were last year? They didn't add anybody in, in, in free agency. They didn't add anybody uh, relative, uh, in a relatively you know, big name in, in the draft. Uh, you know, where are they? The NFC to me is better than it was last year. Yes, the Packers were the best team in the league last year until they ran into Brady. But this is a huge risk. If I'm the Packers, they've basically kowtowed to Rodgers. I love Rodgers. I love what he's done. But at this point in his career, if he's unhappy, you have an unhappy, grumpy quarterback that at the first sign of trouble is probably going to voice and, and run the organization, rake them over the coals. Why would you want to deal with any of that? And he's coming off an MVP season and he's still he's going to be younger than he than he than he would be next year. So to me, like is, this seems like the time to move him. I mean, if you're going to move him, why delay the inevitable? Sign somebody for a year and then see what you have in love. I don't know. That's just my two cents. 
Yeah, I think it's just scary. It's really scary to say, like, we're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I just think it's okay. it's just a super hard thing to do as an organization. And like you said, I just don't think they're ready to do that yet. I don't think they have the cojones to pull that trigger. Nobody wants to be the guy that right. traded Aaron Rodgers. That's, right. basically, that's basically where we're at. But listen, old Belichickian thing, I'd rather get rid of a player a year early than a year late. Yeah, that's that's my point of view. And I love Rogers. I think that he's amazing and he deserves all the money in the world. Probably should go be somewhere else. (laughs) I say it will just be interesting if, if in a span of a year, which I don't even really think it happened, if the organization totally changes their tune, you know, maybe the GM, as far as what they're willing to do for him, uh, being involved in roster moves and listening to him more and saying, if I want to go get a guy, or, you know, if he says, I want you to get that guy, like they go get that guy kind of thing. Like if they start doing that over the course of the season, maybe the trade deadline before the season, who knows? But man, it just feels like the end of his time in Green Bay. Mr. Rogers neighborhood starting to starting to kind of tacking up tax hikes and just run down buildings. We don't know what's going on in that neighborhood right now. It's going to be the most watched team, I think. I really think that team and 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 Rogers press conferences, him on Pat McAfee, all the. I mean, it's all must watch from here on out. It's going to be yeah. the most interesting thing, probably going this season. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I I, I got to agree. I mean, it's like the number one storyline as far as it's been the number one storyline since the day of the draft when he when he dropped this bombshell or Shefty dropped this bombshell on us. And, you know, I, I had that thought too. Maybe maybe the Green Bay Packers have the idea that, who knows, next offseason there's more teams willing and thinking about making that move and planning for the roster and maybe flushing out a quarterback that they are still trying out. And maybe they're just hoping that there's more teams in the mix to give them a trade. But I don't know. That, 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 there's just more and more quarterbacks coming into the league. So Right. There's so many quarterbacks. People are looking at the Deshaun Watson situation, trying to handle that. There's teams – I think there are teams that are still trying to make moves to be able to get both of those guys to come. But God only knows at this point. At this point, he is a cheesehead until he's not, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of cheeseheads, let's get into it from this point on. The NFC North, won by the aforementioned Green Bay Packers a year ago, had a 13-3 and record, had the number one seed. In the NFC playoffs, the only team with a bye. And what happens? A deathly, deathly couple of mistakes in the second half of the game against Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship. And they once again lose in an NFC title game. What, Rodgers' fourth loss in an NFC title game? And he's now one and four in those games. Um, Packers are do or die this year by bringing back Rodgers. I think there's no question about it. Let's begin with the positional rankings with quarterbacks. Clearly, we know who's number one, Maddie. but how do you see the other three shaking out? This is an interesting group because you have veterans, you have Super Bowl appearances from some of them, and one rookie that might steal the show. Who knows? Yeah, I actually just had to do a double take at my list when you said Super Bowl appearances because I... I totally forgot who you were referring to as the other quarterback with Super Bowl appearance in there, and that just blew my mind. But we're going to go from top to bottom as we just uh, – as we said that, again, Green Bay is clearly the top spot here. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in this division. He's the best quarterback in the league, arguably. Um, number Agreed. two, th- this this was one of the harder, I think, categories out of this bunch to, to sort through. Number two, I had to go with Kirk Cousins. 
I had to go with Mr. Kirk Cousins at number two. I think he just he's done you know well for himself since he's joined Minnesota. The play action, heavy run offense, but a lot of play action pass, which he's very good at. So um, he's happy to have Justin Jefferson back in town. He's always had he's had two elite wide receivers with him the whole time, so that helps. Number three, we're going to go with the tandem out in Chicago. Okay. This is just again, this is it's a tandem situation right now. We have Dalton until field starts. So hard to wait. Either one of those guys, the starter, I have them. I'm projecting that like they're playing eight games each, basically, or eight <laughs> and a half games each. Um, uh, and number four would be, again, the aforementioned uh, Super Bowl starter, Jared Goff, because he is not the reason that team made the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he is not going to be the reason that the Detroit Lions make the Super Bowl. And he might be the reason why the Detroit Lions win maybe three games this year. Oh, brutal. Absolutely brutal, Jared Goff. Being in Detroit, um, there's another caveat I'm going to say when we do these rankings. I obviously have Rodgers number one, coming off the 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, ridiculous MVP season. He's the best quarterback in football, in football, in football. I, I'll say it three times, best quarterback in football. Um, Kirk is, I think, clearly number two. I don't think there's a debate about that. Uh, if you look at Kirk's numbers, um, he had a career high in touchdowns last year, 35 touchdown passes. Uh, second highest career uh, in quarter in passer rating at 105. Uh, actually had a pretty decent year. Did though throw his uh, tie his career high in interceptions, and that was the problem with Kirk last year. I think it's a bounce back year. In the second year, he'll be under Clint Kubiak, who's Gary Kubiak's son, running the offense. So it'll be a little different dynamic. But Kirk really has been consistent his entire year. Um, he's over 4,000 yards in every single year except 2019. And 2019 was the best year they ever they they'd had. They went to an NFC, um, they went to the NFC divisional round um, in 2019. So he's a pretty consistent 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The definition of middle of the pack quarterback for Kirk Cousins. I, I that's where I'd put him at. Yeah. Uh, number three, I actually I'm I'm putting Jared Goff here, I, and I hate to do that, and it scares me to do that. But with the other two guys, Andy Dalton, yes, he was able to manage that team last year. Fields, I'm, I'm nervous that Fields is going to get ruined by his coach. And it's very scary because I think that the coach and the GM are going to push him to do things that, that, to save their jobs. That's where I'm at at this point with Fields. And I don't know if – can he handle it? Can he handle it is the question. Is there an over-under prop, by the way, with Andy Dalton starting games? I, I, I wonder if there's a prop there. I, I can't imagine it's much higher than four or five, maybe. Um, but I think that would be a fun little prop to find. I'll, I'll see if I can find it later. The only thing that scares me about Jared Goff, too, though, you know who his offensive coordinator is this year in, in Detroit, right? Uh. Wait, oh, wait, 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 I know, I, I remember I saw this. Really? This? Just awful, just think, just stupid, awful decision oh. making. Wait, is it Anthony Lynn? It is Anthony Lynn. Oh, man. <laughs> it is Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator of the Lions this year. So very, very hesitantly putting Jared Goff ahead of the other two, but I don't know. Like that is – that's a toss-up for me with Goff versus Dalton and Fields. Wolf. 
Well, it's a, and trust me, as I said, that this was a hard one to rank for me. I think just wait till we get to coaching because that was the hardest one to do in this division. I'll tell you that. It definitely was. There's a, there's a, you could go anywhere with the coaches in this division. How about running back rooms? I'll start this one here. I actually decided I was going to go with Minnesota. I thought Minnesota was a little bit more efficient last year in being able to run the football. They've had good, solid years running the football the last couple of years. I do worry about them losing offensive line pieces. That does scare me a little. Um, but they do bring in Christian Derrissaw as a rookie, so he should start. We'll see what he has. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, those are your two bell cow kind of backs. Outside of that, not much in that running back room. If you look at it, um, just looking at it from far here, Amir Abdullah is, is on that team right now. Outside of that, a lot of nobodies. Um, but I do like Dalvin Cook. I think he's – going to be obviously one of the top fantasy guys that is going to get taken. But Alex Madison, I thought, has, has proven himself as a guy that if Cook goes down, can carry the load. I'll put Aaron Jones um, and A.J. Dillon at number two for the Packers. I like that combination. I think Dillon is only going to get better, and Jones got the big money contract. So I think that they will definitely um, – I think you'll definitely see production – from him, especially Rodgers coming back again. I think a lot of these positional players for the Packers really have, have – I'm trying not to rank them with Rodgers in mind, and it's a very difficult task mm-hmm. to do. So um, they also lose Jamal Williams, but they replace him with Kylan Hill, who was at Mississippi State last year. So we'll see what he can do as a rookie. Um, then we obviously have David Montgomery. You've got uh, Tariq Cohen. And the Bears also bring in Damian Williams. So I thought that was a nice little combo. My question is, can they block anybody for these guys? And Montgomery, as great as he is at getting yards after contact and avoiding tacklers, um, I I worry about them, you know, long-term this season and them being able to to find the holes to be able to run through. Um, Cohen and Williams are going to be athletic. I think those are nice little pieces for Fields to work with when he gets there. And then for Detroit, I mean, it's DeAndre Swift, who's a good little, good fantasy player, obviously, but they bring over Jamal Williams from Green Bay and then draft Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. This is a very, very depleted uh, – weapons are few and far between in Detroit. And, oh, yeah, Anthony Lynn is their offensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just skip right to that. And that's the same exact list that I have. I thought this was, again, probably a clear cut – one for this, again, you know, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison at the top, just just a, a great one-two punch, like you said. I mean, even the the two of them with the dreads and the running style, it's like when Alexander Madison comes in, you can almost you can almost barely tell the difference between the two. Just running the ball, like they're both they both get the job done just as well. It's it's you know that offense is really designed for it. Um, and then I gave I gave the edge to Jones and Dylan over my over Montgomery Cohen and Damian Williams out of Chicago because, like I said, like you know. Cohen, good third down back. Montgomery is just – he's just not quite there yet. Like, he's a serviceable guy. He's just young. He's got fresh legs. So – but he, I don't – he's not a running back in this league I ever see making it to, like, a second contract kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a guy – or, you know, going as a backup. You know, no second contract as being the number one back. Right. Um, and, ju- and just a, a note on DeAndre Swift, I just – there is so much, like, the fantasy – you mentioned the fantasy player hype. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. He's the name that I just – I've been on Twitter all week. I'm starting to really get really get in dialed in on fantasy right now this time of year. And there is so much hype around him as this, you know, you get him in the third round and that he's going to be 
the guy that gets a ton of touches and a bad team. And it's just like, I just think this team is going to be so freaking bad, man. Like, how do you take this guy? I get that he's probably the only offensive player on the team, but like then defense, just take that away. You just take the running back away and you make Jared Goff work for it. And I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and again, who knows what, what golf looks like without McVay in his ear up until 15 seconds before the clock runs out. Like what saw how he played just on the road in general, like Jared Goff without McVay is going to be such an interesting dis- thing to see this year. Cause it felt like he Goff. was the only thing holding him together. Jared Goff with Anthony Lynn. Like, I know. I know. This is such a terrible combination. But I will say one thing about DeAndre Swift. I do think the Lions probably in this division, if we were going to rank the lines, I would say the Lions are probably have the second best line next to the Packers. And the Packers, it may be actually close. But that's the one strength that the Lions have on both offense and defense is that their lines are deep and, and experienced, but everyone else around them sucks. So, I mean – just that's the problem with Swift is like, is he, is he the four, can he get 400 carries this year? Can he get 350 carries this year? I don't know. I don't know. That's a big question. And I, the problem, I just see it with with like six touchdowns. You know what I mean? I just don't see where like the production comes out of, you know, that's the problem for me. Yeah. Where, where are they scoring and how, how much points are they actually putting up on the board is the question there. I agree with your list. Uh, I did think about Montgomery Cohen and Williams going ahead of Green Bay, but then I remembered how sick Aaron Jones is. So yeah. keep it at that. Aaron uh, Jones about, is free space. I'm sorry. Sorry, Aaron Jones is free space. Just look out. Ridiculous, ridiculous. How about pass catchers, Maddie? Who you got? This one uh, again. I there was a breakout player last year that I freaking loved. Maybe partially because he was on my fantasy team, but I have Minnesota number one, Justin Jefferson just stepped right into the Stefan Diggs role. Like just, they didn't skip a beat. It took like what, four or five weeks for him to really get going. Um, and you just still got that one, two punch with him and Thielen. First year, we're not going to see Kyle Rudolph. Again, that was like, I was just going through this list and I just immediately thought of Kyle Rudolph as the tight end of the Vikings. And I forget that he's not there anymore, uh, but they got big Irv Smith there. Who's, who's a nice tight end pack, uh, you know, catcher. And don't forget about Chad Beebe back there as the, uh, as a little slot guy uh, working underneath for Kirk. Uh, number two, this was a this is another hard one. I have Chicago at number two. Um, I just I just think with Allen Robinson, I really like Darnell Mooney. Um, I think that that was a guy that dropped that like had so many opportunities and he got that guy got loose on so many deep balls last year and nobody could get it to him in a good spot. I'm just hoping that you know whoever is the quarterback at the week of him playing can start to get him a couple deep balls because I think that he's going to be a, a, a actually a good breakout player potentially in fantasy like a like a deep flex player, but then green Bay's third because green Bay Devonte Adams. That's kind of it. That's kind of in the story. You know, you got, you have Alan Lazard who is serviceable, has had some moments, had some flashes, had some bad flashes as well. And they bring back in, you know, 49 year old Randall Cobb, <laughs> I guess as, as the fill in there. Um, and, and Robert Tunyon at the tight end spot who is Borderline like Rogers most used tight end for his career because he never throws to the tight end. But Tunyon caught a ton of touchdown passes last year, at least for him. And again, number four, Detroit Lions because they don't have anybody. They lost Marvin Jones. They lost Kenny Galladay. I I couldn't even tell you if I hadn't looked at the depth chart, I couldn't have named you a a, a Lions wide receiver off the top of my head before the show. I, I had to look at the depth chart. I did not know anybody going into it. 
And then we have Quintez Cephas for 200, Alex. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. It is depleted out there. They're clearly far and away the worst offensive team in football. And it's not just that. It's like, look at these guys on the list. Brashad Perriman is their number one receiver. I uh, mean, that's all you need to know. I mean, in that, what world? In what world? <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to know. Tyrell Williams, their best receiver might be a rookie. It might be Amon Ross St. Brown. Honestly, that might be their best receiver. It's it's it, him coming out of USC. TJ Hawkinson has been a complete disappointment as a first-round pick. Um, I mean, he hasn't played up to that level, no question. There's just nothing there. Um, but as far as number one, we're going to have a big disagreement here. I have the Green Bay Packers. I, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of me. I'm trying not to, again – this is what's hard for me with the Packers is that I'm trying not to rank these guys based on the fact that Rodgers is their quarterback. But Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football right now. I mean, I'd say maybe behind DeAndre Hopkins, but still, you could go one, two either way. Um, the other guys that are there, Lazard, you said, has had flashes. Uh, St. Brown has had flashes. Valdez Scanling has had flashes. Um, Cobb comes back. Is there a camaraderie between the two? I don't know. Um, Amari Rogers, I really like him coming out of Clemson. I think that he'll be a really good slot receiver. I just think that these guys have all experience and experience with Rogers deep into playoff games and, and other things. Like, you know, to me, I look at the other rosters, and yes, I see Jefferson and Thielen, and they're my number two. I see Jefferson and Thielen. I see nothing else out there for Minnesota. It's Jefferson and Thielen, and that is it. I mean, Chad Beebe is a, a good special teams player and has had, again, flashes as a receiver, but he's not a number three. I mean, they got Ricky Prohl's son out there, you know, uh, running around, Blake Prohl. Um, Didi Westbrook got signed for less than a million dollars. I mean, they don't have anybody out there that you can really name. Even Irv Smith. I mean, you look at Irv Smith. Irv Smith was a second-round talent. I mean, it's put-up or shut-up time for Irv Smith. If he's got any talent in there, I mean, they don't have anybody outside of that. And, and to me, Robert Tunyon, again, Robert Tunyon is a really, really good pass catcher that's developing really well for the Packers. Um, they still have Mercedes Lewis back there, incredibly, by the way, who is actually 150 years old. <laughs> yes. Um, if Randall Cobb, if Randall Cobb is, was born in like the last century, then, then Mercedes Lewis was friends with Moses. I mean, it really is. He's so old. But it's, it's like, to me, I do think that I can rely on Packers pass catchers outside of Devontae Adams more than I can rely on Vikings pass catchers outside of Thielen and Jefferson. And maybe you put Thielen and Jefferson, they're two studs instead of one. I get that. I would just go with the Packers on a personnel level. I think the bears are close, but again, Allen Robinson, I do like Mooney. I like Mooney a lot. I think Mooney is a good player and they add even more speed with the bird coming from new England. So that's really good for them outside of that. Again, can Marquise Goodwin come back after being out all year last year with COVID um, the Bears have good tight ends. I know your favorite guy in the world, Jimmy Graham, yeah. excellent pass catcher, uh, especially in the playoffs when he needs it in the fourth quarter. Especially, especially with five seconds left in the game. Five seconds left in the game to destroy over-unders on his yardage, but that's okay. Um, and then they bring in Jesse James. They still have Cole Komet. I do actually like the Bears' uh, weaponry pretty decently, actually, um, but it all depends, again, on quarterback play. So I'd go Packers 1. Vikings two, Bears three, Lions uh, 
six, 60,000 feet of crap and then the lions pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, again, I, I had the hard time with, with Chicago over green Bay at the two, three spot. You know, I, I think that's a fairly, I think we both got a, a decent list. That's, I, I figured that would be the most contentious one uh, when oh, yeah. I was doing this. So you got to You got to have a little bit of, you got to rub two sticks together. Sometimes get a little right. spark going, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> um, how about defense, Maddie? Um, this is an interesting, this is definitely an interesting group. How did you see the, the, the four shaking out here? Yeah, this is, this is another, you know, again, difficult one. So uh, this, this one, I'll we'll go back from the bottom up because again, we could start with the Detroit Lions at the very bottom. Um, just look at their depth chart, read some names and see if they ring a bell to you at all. Uh, <laughs> and they, they probably won't. So uh, Detroit Lions and at the four spot, I have the Green Bay Packers at my three spot. I just, again, like what you said, I don't know um, as far as what they did this offseason between the draft. I don't, They did draft a, a cornerback in the first round. I know because he screwed us on our uh, – I believe that was the corner that screwed us on our, our over-under of the, the yep. corners in the first round. Um, I can't remember the ticket. The guy out of Georgia, correct? Eric, um, Eric Stokes out of Georgia, yes. Yeah. So, you know, they add him. But, again, other than that, how many defensive pieces did they add? And that was kind of, you would definitely say the reason they didn't go further than they did last year outside of, uh, you know, maybe some coaching decisions in that NFC playoff game, but it was, it was Aaron Rodgers outscoring everybody last year. So I have green Bay um, in the, the three spot for defense. Um, I have Minnesota in the two. Um, again, I, they had definitely had a, a very down year last year, but it was uh, injury ridden, COVID-ridden, opt-out-ridden defense from last year. I mean, they, they lost a lot of guys, um, and they come back this season with two new quarterbacks, corners, sorry, with uh, Patrick Peterson and Brashad Breland. Um, you know, Peterson is getting up there in age and, and you know, wasn't looking, you know, the narrative about him wasn't it was that he wasn't looking so great, but now I've looked at some numbers this offseason that were saying maybe he didn't have as bad as a season as maybe the narrative was projecting for Patrick Peterson. And I think that Zimmer's gonna be able to put him in a good situation and be able to, you know, I think he's got enough there that to play in a defense like that, um, kind of a team swarming style defense that he's gonna be able to excel there. And then I'll still leave Chicago in the number one spot. Um, again, they they do have guys like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and 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 they've added, you know. Some guys and you know, Eddie Jackson playing safety, and uh, you know they've they've worked on their defense. And two years ago, they had the best defense in the league when you know they they got Khalil back over there. So I will see still leave the Bears as the best defense in this division. Even though I did almost think about pitting Minnesota there because again, with everybody they have returning, the couple new pieces they have coming back. Um, but that yeah, that was a difficult one for me. I want to know where where you stand. So I. Let's get Detroit out of the way. Detroit clearly is right. number four. Um, that is interesting that you had the Bears number one because I was just going through some of the numbers and looking at it. Bears last year, middle of the pack with sacks. They had 35 sacks last year, nine of them by Khalil Mack alone. So there's that. Then you look at opponents' passer rating against the Bears. Bears were really not that great. Outside of the Lions, the Vikings weren't great either, obviously, but – 94.9, again, middle of the pack team. Um, you look at opponents' completion percentage against the Bears. Not that great. If you go through it, Lions, again, still worse than them. Vikings still worse than them last year as well. But they did have the best in the division, 64% completion percentage. They were really good against the run. I don't think they did a very good job against the pass. 
pass last year at all, to be honest. They weren't, they didn't have a ton of interceptions. I don't think the bear, I think the bears defense is a little overrated to be honest. And that's why I have them at number three, um, oh. especially at the depth chart. Um, you know, I look at this team, they lose, you know, remember they lose Kyle Fuller. That's a huge yeah. loss for them at corner. That's their best corner. So now you're relying on Jalen Johnson in his third year out of Utah to really step up. Desmond Trufant, older player, comes over from Detroit. Artie Burns, older player, name does not help him as a corner, being Artie Burns. Uh, <laughs> didn't help him in Pittsburgh. Probably not going to help him here. That's tough. Robert Quinn sucked last year. He had two sacks all last year, and they brought him in. They brought him in to be him and Mac on the outside. I didn't see it. I think they do have really good talent, linebacker with Smith and Trevathan and all those guys and Akeem Hicks in the middle. But I got to see more, especially with a new defensive coordinator coming in in Desai um, to come coach that team. I have them number three. Um, Green Bay was, uh, I think, far and away the better defense last year. I thought they were the best defense in that division last year, the way they played for most of the season. There's not a ton of talent, I would say, in terms of superstar status uh, outside of maybe Zadarius Smith. Preston Smith coming back on a low contract. And then you got Jair Alexander, who's one of the better corners in the league. But, I mean, you know, I like their secondary. I think they have some pieces there that are, are, are solid. Uh, we'll see what the kid out of Georgia can do. But, again, there isn't much here. They do get a new defensive coordinator as well with Joe Barry. So he's going to have to kind of manage the ship after Mike Pettin's just awful, awful NFC championship that, 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 and how he called that game. It was really bad. They are, are kind of like how we talked about the Colts. They might have a couple pieces here and there that are really, really good, but they're more of a collective unit than they are, you know, a full of superstars, I would say. Um, I have Minnesota number one. And I think, I think last year the reason why Minnesota played poorly is because they were decimated on the defensive line. Stephen Weatherly is back from injury. Michael Pierce is back from injury. Daniil Hunter is back from injury. They make two really underrated signings because they were awful against the run last year. They signed Dalvin Tomlinson and they signed Sheldon Richardson to come in and play. Those are two very, very underrated signings to get them to be better at the running game and position. They'll be better, I think, in the secondary. I don't think their secondary is that bad. Jeff Gladney, by the way, getting cut today. That was one of their top corners. He gets cut for a domestic violence charge. So he's out. That puts Bashad Breland into the starting role with Patrick Peterson. So um, that's really, really solid, a really good sign for them, especially now. And Harrison Smith's still one of the better safeties in the league. Xavier Woods, Cam Dantzler at nickel. Can he play well? They have a lot of guys coming back from injury. I think they'll be a lot better team if they can just get their quarterbacks to, to be off the COVID-19 list and they can actually play against them, you know, and actually get some reps against the starters because they have all three quarterbacks in, in COVID protocol right now. So they've had to make some adjustments and that's been an interesting story, but um, no, I think, I think Minnesota's defense is going to be just as good as it was a couple of years ago when they went to an NFC title game. Yeah. Again, I, I, I really did play with putting them at the top spot. I just, wow. We are, we are very different takes on green Bay and Chicago this year. I we think are. I mean, we are, we are way off in those two teams. <laughs> what else is new? But the best, especially with Chicago. I mean, that's one of those, that's one of those pain in the ass teams for us every single year. And that's going to be interesting as figuring out those lines, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they they are like, I always, and I think last year and the year before I, I was stuck in believing them. I believe I, I had the bears 
with far too good of a record last year. I know I had their over on this uh, regular season win total, which I believe I ended up pushing on at eight at eight wins. So um, definitely going to be a pain in the ass team again this year. Big hatred for not a Minnesota guy. I would definitely say definitely you're definitely not a Minnesota guy. You've been skeptical about them for a long time. So it's been interesting to watch that too. Well, again, last, last year was again, because of all the injuries and stuff like that. And and had the feeling their defense was going to take a dip. Uh, Again, that was, that's a big shout out to our guy, Simon Hunter on that. That was one I was kind of following his lead on, but um, yeah, I I do think they are going to have a a much better season this year, especially defensively much, much better season. I agree. I agree. Now, I'm very interested in this. Where do we have Mike Zimmer, Matt LaFleur, Matt Nagy, and our favorite PC principal, Dan Campbell? Where do we have these guys ranked in the coaching department? Yeah, by far the hardest category in this division because it was just – so how category started, you stick Dan Campbell at the bottom and you go from there. So <laughs> Dan Campbell, unfortunately, in the four spot. He's the only you know brand-new head coach biting kneecaps off and all, but we got to put him in the four spot at number three. I had to put, I had to put the magician, Matt Nagy and his, his just desperation. Again, it's like, he's supposed to be the offensive wizard, the quarterback guru, the whatever he's supposed to be. And some of his play calling sometimes last year, we would just, I never, I remember getting on the show and just questioning a lot of his play calling that he was doing last year. As you said earlier, fields, you know, they're trying to save their jobs, drafting fields, was the start of them just trying to save their jobs. It buys them time. Um, and so once he's in, as soon as Fields gets in, the clock is ticking on, on Matt Nagy. And, mm-hmm. and if he doesn't excel and continue to you know start winning games right away with Justin Fields, he'll be out of there. So um, I have him at number three. I have Matt LaFleur at number two. And it, it literally, I, I had LaFleur at the top. And then the NFC championship game just came into my head. And I just remember, I remember the field goal incident and I'm remembering like how big of a story that was over the off season with, you know, uh, I believe there's a mismanaged timeout in there and the kicking the field goal down, you know, whatever that situation was, I had to put him there and, and that's going to give Zimmer the top spot. I mean, Zimmer, he, not the greatest head coach in the league, but runs a good defense, has a system, keeps his team disciplined. Um, so Mike Zimmer, believe it or not, is the best coach in that division. Very interesting list. Very interesting list. You remember last year, um, both Houston and Minnesota, I think, started like 0-4. Mm-hmm. And uh, they played each other. Minnesota won that game, I think, barely. And that next week, Bill O'Brien was fired. Um, and, and, and I remember looking at that and I'm saying, Bill O'Brien and Mike Zimmer have basically been around the same amount of time. They've basically had the same amount of success. Zimmer might have a couple more wins here and there, but neither have made it past, you know, a division round. Zimmer made it to one NFC title game back in 2017 uh, with Case Keenum. But man, they're so similar. And I felt like if the Vikings had lost that game, that Zimmer would have been fired. But now I look at it and I have the same exact list as you. (laughs) And my list is exactly the same. I have Zimmer at the top before Nagy and Campbell. I think that that is, that is the way it is because, to be honest with you, I think LaFleur kind of gets carried by who the quarterback is. Yeah. And, you know, to me, it's, it's not – he's an excellent schemer and an offensive play caller. I will give you that. Absolutely. But does his team overall respect him 
or do they respect Rodgers more? And it's clearly Rodgers, I mean, by a mile. So, you know, to me, Mike Zimmer has the respect of his team. He's actually running the defense. Um, he's letting, you know, the Kubiaks do what they do offensively. Kirk, I think I'd be interested to see if this whole COVID thing kind of sours their relationship because Kirk has kind of been, you know, pretty vocal about not being vaccinated and all that. But, you know, and Zimmer's clearly vocal about being frustrated. He invited the media to go out to the parking lot in the morning, earlier this morning, to see all of the players who are waiting for their test results so they knew who they were. Uh, Vikings have the lowest vaccination rate of anybody in the league. Um, I think he's clearly frustrated by that. Um, but, you know, to me, I do think that he has the ear of his players and the respect of his players and the respect of his peers, to be honest with you, over the years, the last, you know, 20, 30 years that he's been in the league. I think he's got the respect and I think he's earned that spot. Nagy, again, Nagy is funny because the Bears were awful for 10 years and then Nagy came in and they've been really successful but I think this year, obviously, Trubisky has a lot to do with them not, like, you know, being as great as they could be. But I think this year especially will tell us how good of a coach Matt Nagy is. If he has, yeah, a rookie, but definitely a more highly touted rookie than, than, than Trubisky was, no question. Even though he was drafted later, Trubisky was not as highly touted as Fields as coming out of college. I think that this is going to be a very interesting year for Nagy. If he watches the game during the game instead of having his – his nose and his play calling sheet, looking at plays, you know, we'll see. And, you know, of course, Dan Campbell is going to, you know, as we said, bite kneecaps, probably get knocked down, get back up, punch somebody in the face, get knocked down again, probably do some push-ups on the sideline. I'm there for a bench. I want them to have like a bench press on the sidelines in the end zone or something. So Dan Campbell can just run down there and do them with the team. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I just want theatrics from that guy. That's all I want. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely a coach I could just see. Like, I need them to have, like, one, like, kick return or punt return because he's going to run the full length of the field along with, like, the returner, that guy. Like, he's going to be running through the end zone and down the tunnel if they, like, have one of those. That's what I picture. So, I just need that image in my for, for this NFL season. He's going to be picking up players and just carrying them around the field. Like, it's just – it's going to be – I cannot wait for Dan Campbell. But, yeah, no, we have the same exact list. I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's it's almost again. It's like a like a by default. Mike Zimmer is the best coach in this division. Like it's we both are, didn't want to put him there, but we put the other three teams in. We're like, well, I guess Mike Zimmer is the best then. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's like, nah, I guess I'll throw him a bone. You know. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's going to be a very interesting division. I think Vikings fans were very very excited that Rodgers had the possibility of not showing up or getting traded, and now that kind of has been dimmed a little bit by the fact that their quarterbacks are not at camp, by the fact that Rodgers is back in camp. It's, I think it's still Green Bay's division. I, I still don't think that Minnesota um, – I think that Minnesota will be much improved. Chicago is either going to go very far down or they're going to exceed their expectations, as they do every year. So, uh, But the prop is still Detroit, under five wins, already locked in. So that's pretty much lock, stock, and barrel on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's what we both like. And I did try and look up an Andy Dalton prop, and I couldn't find it. The only thing I did find was who was going to start the first game for the Bears of the year, either Andy Dalton or Fields. And Dalton is minus 1,200 Fields plus 600, which, again, I, I, I think that we – I mean, I got to say, training camp has just started. It, it is, that is kind of a far-fetched thing. And with the injuries, I mean, to, if you could lay down, if you could find that plus 600 right now, just based on 
the chance of an injury in training camp, I feel like that's a decent bet. I mean, the guy has a good chance to start regardless of injury. So even if there's I, injuries, I, that, like, I don't, I mean, plus 600, I would probably lay a unit down on that. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty juicy bet right there. I think at least a half a unit. Half at a least unit, a half a unit. Unit, tomato, tomato, you know. But I think it. I think it definitely is worth it. No, I think it's definitely worth it to take that on fields. I like that prop a lot. Yeah, yeah. I get. I. I don't know so much. Of, like, in, regardless of an injury, just because I think it's what I said earlier about like they put Dalton in for the first three weeks. It just. It just buys them time. I just think it just buys them time with Fields and and their own jobs. If you put Fields in right away, like I said, that's when the t- the clock starts ticking. So I. Ju- I just feel like that Dalton's got at least two three games in him to to bide a little bit more time. We shall see. Lots of fun in this division. Lots of drama going on in this division. All four teams are going to provide a lot of entertainment throughout the NFL season. Maddie, it's time. Cowboys, Steelers, Thursday night. How excited can you possibly be? I'm super freaking excited. And not to mention that, to go along with that, following Tuesday, we have our first episode of Hard Knocks featuring the Dallas Cowboys, including that game. So, you know, as much as I will definitely, I, I will be tuning in mostly for the first quarter of the Hall of Fame game. You see all the ceremonies, all that stuff. I don't care to necessarily watch four quarters of that, maybe just because it's football on a screen. But really, Tuesday, behind the scenes, hard knocks, that is what I am looking forward to. That is always must-watch television with hard knocks, seeing the inner workings of Jerry World this year. Uh, that's going to do it. Wrap it up for us next week. The AFC West. Oh, boy. We are getting deep into Maddie's division. We'll talk Broncos. Can the Broncos find a way to maybe challenge for the division? Are the Chargers a surprise team? Can anybody stop the Chiefs? And what the heck is going to happen with John Gruden and the Raiders? It's always entertaining. Talk about this being an entertaining division. That is an entertaining division in and of itself. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, we will be back next week. As always, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we are on there. You can also listen to us on Sports Country Radio. That's sportscountry.net, sportscountry.net, every Saturday at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m., and again on Sunday at 11 a.m. Follow us on Twitter, at the Sunday Card. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Same things. We'll post everything out there for you. It's getting to be that time. And in fact, we already have week one spreads already across the board. Maybe you lay some, maybe you don't, maybe you catch a break, maybe you don't. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit next week. But for now, for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, and for our esteemed Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone producer who is probably sweating bullets about the USA national basketball team trying to make it to the gold medal game. We'll see what happens. Uh, but we always appreciate the work that he's done. I'm Dan Zampano. We thank you for listening to the Sunday Cup.